Please take your copy of God's Word. Let's turn together to Isaiah chapter 4. Isaiah chapter 4, our text this morning, verses 2 to 6. As we are continuing to look at this theme of Christmas in Isaiah, uh, I mentioned last time we're looking particularly at texts in the very first section of Isaiah's prophecy, a section that runs from chapter 1 to to chapter 12. And, And throughout this section, Isaiah is both confronting God's people with their sin but he's also comforting them, uh, that he's going to deal with their sin, that he's not abandoned them, that in fact he is going to come in and through the Messiah to rescue them. Last time we looked at Isaiah chapter 2 at the, at the mountain, the mountain of the Lord, that place called Zion, which is not just a place, it's actually a people. And, and we are uh, that people who have come to, to Zion and ultimately have come to Jesus But here in chapter 4, we meet this this person called the branch. Who is the branch? How does he function? What's his role? What's his character? What does he do? We're going to discover that this morning. Not just as it is in Isaiah's prophecy, but why that's important for you. But in order to see that this morning, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Let's ask him for his help. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God, we do come to you as your people, and we desire to hear the word of the Lord. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and you would open our eyes of faith this morning that we might see glorious riches in this portion of your gospel and might, in fact, hear you speak in and through Holy Scripture. Grant us this, Lord, we ask. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Isaiah chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. In that day, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious. And the fruit of the land shall be the pride and honor of the survivors of Israel. And he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who has been recorded for life in Jerusalem, when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem from its midst by a spirit of judgment and by a spirit of burning, then The Lord will create over the whole site of Mount Zion and over her assemblies a cloud by day and a smoke and the shining of of a flame of fire by night. For over all the glory, there will be a canopy. There will be a booth for shade by day from the heat and for a refuge and a shelter from the storm and the rain. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I wondered this morning if you've ever had the experience of going sideways. Uh, I actually had that experience this morning uh, driving over the church. Uh, as you know, we've had a lot of rain coming out of Cherry Road uh, onto Poplar. The, the road was wet. My truck must have picked up some leaves. I'm coming out onto Poplar. I see a car. I'm wanting to get into the left lane. I push on the gas, and suddenly the back end of my truck went sideways. I said, Lord, you're making me live out my sermon this morning. I wrote this on Wednesday. I didn't mean to go sideways on Sunday. But maybe you've had that experience, or maybe um, the, the experience of being driving on snow and ice, and like we had uh, this past winter, where you're coming up to a stop sign and, and you start slowing down and you're pumping the brakes, and, and you think you've done it in plenty of time, but then suddenly the brakes lock up and your car or your truck is going 
sideways. And then you realize there are cars in the intersection. And then you realize that you're probably going to have a wreck. And then you realize that it's going to be a real hassle for the next several months. All this is going on in slow motion as you go sideways. Of course, there's other ways you can go sideways, not just in your car or your truck on a rainy day or an icy day. We can go sideways morally, spiritually. Back when I used to listen to a lot of country music, there was a big hit song by Dirks Bentley called Sideways. Through the song, he pictured being out on a Friday night, out at the bar, hooking up with women, getting wasted, drinking way too much, and trying to have a good time. And the chorus line that gets repeated over and over is, worked all week, it's time to play, going to get a little bit sideways. While the idea of going sideways, morally, spiritually, seems like it might be fun, really, for, for those of us who've experienced it, we know the truth it's actually a little frightening because you know you're out of control. And you know because you're out of control, you're likely to, to have a wreck morally, spiritually. And you know in that wreck, it's not just going to bring harm to you. It's going to bring harm to your family, to your husband, to your wife, to your kids, to your parents. It's going to cause pain to your friends. All because you've gotten a little sideways. That's actually the situation that God is dealing with with his people in the chapters right before the section we read from the Bible. Israel had gone sideways morally, spiritually. They had given themselves over to idolatry, which, which in turn led to all sorts of societal failure, injustice, oppression, overturn in the moral order, financial ruin, sexual confusion. Things had gotten sideways. Back in chapter 2, verse 12, right after what we looked at last time, God had warned his people that a day of reckoning was was coming. A day when, when the wreckage of what they had done was going to come clear. There God said, for the Lord of hosts has a day. He has a day against all that is proud and lofty. And then like a trip hammer from that point, Over and over, Isaiah says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in that day, in that final day of the Lord, in that that final day of judgment, you find that phrase, in that day, in chapter 2, verse 17, chapter 2, verse 20, chapter 3, verse 7, chapter 3, verse 18, chapter 4, verse 1, over and over, in that day, the Lord will bring judgment on all idols so that he might be exalted. In that day, people will cast away their idols and will hide from the Lord's displeasure. In that day, men will reject serving as leaders. Women will long for protection from anyone and all the luxuries of the time will be taken away because in that day, everyone and everything has gotten a little sideways. Sounds like our day, doesn't it? Maybe it sounds like your life. Maybe you're here today, and as you look honestly at your life, you've seen that you've you've gotten sideways, morally, spiritually. You know you're going to have a wreck, or maybe you just had a wreck. You don't have control. It's become obvious to you, to your family, to your friends. You're out of control. You're bringing harm 
to yourself, to others. And you're here wondering, is there any hope? Is there any hope for you as you go sideways? Any hope to get straightened out again? Any hope to to not make a final wreck, to, to somehow get home? I'm here to tell you that, yeah, there's hope. There's hope for you. And it's all connected to this person that Isaiah has told us about. Under this, this strange title, the branch. The branch who's revealed, who's seen, who's known, who's loved, who's prized in that day. Right? That's how the section began. In verse 2, in that day. Telling us that that day is not just a day of judgment, It's also a day of salvation, which means it's a day of hope. And in that day, this person, the branch, is revealed. Now, I say that the branch is a person. Throughout the Old Testament, and we'll see it again on Christmas Day in Isaiah 11, when that title, the branch, is used, it's it's referring to a person. But there's one place in particular where it's very clear. That's Jeremiah chapter 25. Or excuse me, Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5 where Jeremiah prophesies, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Hear what Jeremiah said about the branch? The branch is in the line of David. The branch rules as king. He executes justice and righteousness. The branch saves his people. He's called the Lord our righteousness. Who is the branch? Well, he's none other than the promised Messiah, the Christ who is coming, the one we've come to know as Jesus. Jesus is the branch. Of course, in Isaiah's day, they didn't know that that the branch's name was Jesus, and yet he clearly is pointing us to him. So we need to understand from Isaiah a little bit about the branch, about the Messiah, so that we might see what Jesus has done for us in his coming. And the, the way Isaiah describes him is first by describing the branch's character. He talks about the branch's character in verse 2. Do you see it? Your Bible's still open, right? In that day... The branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land shall be the pride and honor of the survivors of Israel. Several commentators on this passage argue persuasively that the branch of the Lord and the fruit of the land are actually referring to the same thing or the same person, namely the Messiah himself, this one who will be revealed and seen and cherished and delighted in and loved in that day. And so what is this branch's character? How how will God's people see the Messiah? Well, they'll see him as beautiful, right? That's what it says. The branch of the Lord shall be beautiful. The branch, the Messiah, he'll be attractive. He'll be desirable. And that's exactly opposite where God's people had been going. In the previous chapters, in chapter 2 and 3, The prophet is arraigning God's people for for settling for lesser beauties, lesser gifts, placing placing their value on things that could never satisfy. He describes that particularly in in chapter 3, verse 18, as part of the judgment that God's bringing. 
There in chapter 3, verse 18, he says, In that day the Lord will take away the finery of the anklets, the headbands and the crescents, the pendants, the bracelets, the scarves, the headdresses, the armlets, the sashes, the perfume boxes, the amulets, the signet rings and nose rings, the festal robes, the mantles, the cloaks and the handbags, the mirrors, the linen garments, the turbans and the veils. What does that sound like but some retail store? The valuable things of the day. And God's going to take them all away. Why? Because God's people had settled for lesser things, lesser beauties, lesser gifts, lesser treasures. But we do this too, don't we? We, we try to satiate our hearts with lesser beauties and lesser treasures. We, we call it retail therapy. You do it. I do it too. When, we're, when we're, our hearts are struggling and, and we feel empty or tired or we're, we're wrestling with our, the mess that we've made or perhaps things are really getting sideways for us, uh, what do we do? We go shopping. And we try to find that thing, whatever it is, that new outfit or that, for me, the new book, um, whatever it is, to try to somehow satiate our hearts. And it does for a minute, doesn't it? That beautiful, beautiful thing, that, that valuable thing. But then it, it always fades. The satisfaction, it always fades, which is why we go shopping again. But Isaiah is telling us, Israel's, we're no different from Israel. They too are doing retail therapy. And what they're discovering is when life gets sideways, those lesser beauties can't satisfy us. There's only one thing, only one person who's beautiful enough and attractive enough and desirable enough to satisfy us hearts, and that's the branch. It's the Messiah. He's beautiful and he's glorious. Right? That's, that's what verse 2 tells you. The branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious and the fruit of the land shall be the pride and honor of the survivors of Israel. This branch, this Messiah, he is glorious and the pride of his people. God's people see the branch for what he truly is and they glory in him. They take pride in him. They boast in him. But again, this will be a great change because earlier in chapter 2 and 3, God arraigns his people for boasting in lesser things. Boasting in their possessions, boasting in their idols, boasting in their treasures. So much so that Isaiah warns them in chapter 2, verse 11, the haughty looks of man shall be brought low and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Notice Notice what Isaiah says. The things that we boast in, the pride of life, what we desire with our eyes, the desire of the flesh, the things that we boast in will be taken away so that the Lord alone will be exalted. But here it tells us the branch is the one whom we prize. The branch is the one in whom we take pride. The branch is the one in whom we boast. Why? Because he's beautiful and he's glorious. That's who Jesus is. This passage is telling us that Jesus is the only one who's beautiful. Jesus is the only one who's glorious. We see his character, the character of the branch. Not just because the Bible tells us it's so, but it's because we see it in the branch's work. When, when life gets sideways, when we, we, when we see the wreck that we've made of our lives, all the people that we've hurt, all the pain that we've caused, we need to hear again that there's hope for us. And the hope comes from not just who the branch is, not just who the Messiah is, not just who Jesus is, but ultimately what he's done for us. And what he's come to do 
is to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. Isaiah talks about that in three different ways that we need to pay attention to this morning. Three different ways that give us hope when our life gets sideways. The first thing that the branch, the, the Messiah, Jesus comes to do is that he makes those who are unholy, holy. Did you see that? It's there in verse 3. In verse 3, and he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who has been recorded for life in Jerusalem. Friends, this is good news. Because when life gets sideways, we know how dirty we are. We know how un unholy we are. We know how, how filthy we are. We feel the reproaches of others. We feel the reproach of our own heart. And so to hear that the branch, the Messiah, that he can make us holy, he can make us pure, clean, new, that's good news. Well, how does he do it? How does the branch make that which is unholy, you and me, how does he make it, make us holy? Well, he washes us clean. That's what Isaiah goes on to say. He who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who's been recorded for life in Jerusalem, verse 4, when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem from its midst, by a spirit of judgment and by a spirit of burning. Did you get that? The branches, he washes us. He, he rinses us. We've had a picture of that this morning. Little Presley having, having water placed upon her head. It's, it's just a small symbol of what ultimately the branch does for us on the inside, through and through. Just as the water washed over her head to signal the cleansing that Jesus does by his blood, that's actually what happens to every one of us. That's what we most desperately need, is for the branch to wash us, to cleanse us thoroughly from all of our filth, all of our vomit, all of, our, all of the refuse that we've gotten ourselves into. That's what he does. It's all washed away. And it's pictured here as a thorough cleansing, a total dealing with sin. How does it happen? What's that phrase at the end? By a spirit of judgment, by a spirit of burning. What is that about? Well, these are the demands of God's justice and holiness. Spirit of judgment, justice, the spirit of burning, holiness. And what, what Isaiah is picturing here is that, is that God meets them himself. The spirit is the one who applies that. To us, The Spirit is the one who enables the branch to, to accomplish that for us, to meet these demands. And who makes all this happen? How is it possible that we might be made clean through the branch, through the Messiah meeting the, the absolute demands of God's justice, the absolute demands of God's holiness? Don't you see? Jesus is the branch. He's the Messiah. He's the one who's beautiful and glorious, and he is revealed as such on the day of the Lord, that day of judgment and salvation we call Good Friday. Because there on the cross at Good Friday, Jesus the branch died to satisfy the demands of God's absolute justice for you. All of your crimes, all of your law-breaking, all of your guilt, all of your shame, all of your lawlessness, all of the times you've gotten sideways, all paid for. And on the cross, Jesus the branch died to satisfy the demands of God's holiness. 
So that right now he looks at you and declares you to be and makes you to be actually holy, clean, pure, new. For all those who've trusted in Jesus, God looks at you in Jesus and he sees you as beautiful as the branch is, as beautiful as Jesus is. God looks at you and says, glorious, beautiful, mine. That's what the branch does. He makes the unholy holy. But that's not all the branch does. He also brings the wayward all the way home. Verse 5 talks about that. There's two images there that you need to pay attention to. Then, verse 5, then the Lord will create over the whole site of Mount Zion and over her assemblies a cloud by day and smoke and the shining and flaming fire by night. For over all the glory there will be a canopy. So two images there. The first is, is more obvious to, to those who know something of the Bible. That, that pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, those were used during the Exodus. God himself is in the pillars, leading his people on to the promised land. And so during the day, God goes in the pillar of cloud, leading them to the promised land. During the night, he's in the pillar of fire, leading them to the promised land. But, but what Isaiah sees here is those pillars have come to rest. And they've come to rest over Mount Zion, which, which as we saw last week, is not just a place, but is a people. What does it mean? It means that the branch does this good work of bringing the wayward all the way home. Home to Zion, home to God's people, home to God's place. Because before we were lost and wandering, before we were sideways, we made a wreck of our lives, before we had wandered in darkness, but now, now we're found and rescued. Now we're on the straight path. Now we're in the light. Now we're, we're brought to Zion, to the assembly of the firstborn, to angels in parties clothes, party clothes. We've been brought to Jesus and who did this? The branch did it. He's the one who brings us all the way home. But there's this second image. It's the last part of verse 5. For over all the glory, there will be a canopy. Old Testament scholars tell us that the, the word canopy there is only and always used throughout the New Testament for a wedding tent. And so the picture here is that the branch brings us all the way home to marry us. And that is so striking in the light of Isaiah's prophecy. Because in verse 1 of chapter 4, which is right before the words of comfort, Isaiah pictures seven women chasing after a single man, desiring to marry him so that they might come into his home and, and under his protection. Here, though, at the end of the words of comfort, God says, no, 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 I'm coming to marry you. I will bring you to my home. I will delight in you. I will rejoice in you. I will sing over you forever. But listen, this isn't just some abstract people or this them back in the 8th century BC. Who is Isaiah talking about? Well, he's talking about you. He's talking about you. It's, as you've be, been wandering and wayward, as you've been in the darkness, God, in and through Jesus Christ, has pursued you and has brought you all the way home so that he might delight in you and rejoice in you and smile over you 
and lift his countenance upon you and, and grant you his love and joy and peace and you might hear him singing. That's what the branch does. That's what Jesus does. Jesus makes the unholy holy. Jesus brings the wayward all the way home. But finally this morning, Jesus the branch helps his people by protecting them from all harm. That's how the section ends. There will be a booth for shade by day from the heat and for a refuge and a shelter from the storm and the rain. So that whether during days of, of heat and dangerous drought or during days of storm and dangerous flooding, whatever the condition, the branch, the Messiah, he'll dwell among his people. He'll be accessible to them. He'll help them. This language of booth, it pictures during the Exodus as God's people are going through the wilderness to the promised land, as they would go to camp, there was a booth there, a tent, a tabernacle. And that's where God's presence would come to rest in the midst of the camp. But there were only a few who could actually go into that booth. But Moses could. Aaron the high priest could. Aaron's sons as priests could. But most of, the, of God's people couldn't go into the booth, couldn't go into the tent, the place of God's presence. But notice what the branch does. He makes it so that we have access to the help that we need. What is it that the writer to the Hebrews tells us? In Hebrews chapter 4, he tells us that that throne room of judgment has now become a throne room of grace. So that we're able to enter into it. We have access to that throne room of grace that we might receive grace to help us in our time of need. Why? Why is the throne room of judgment now a throne room of grace? It's because Jesus the branch has gone before us. He is there to help us. He's a high priest who is tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. So that it's possible for us in times of difficulty and struggle and affliction and sadness and sorrow when life gets sideways to find the help we need. Because Jesus the branch helps his people by protecting them. Don't you see why this is good news this morning? Why there's hope for you this morning? This is what Jesus the branch does. He makes the unholy holy. He brings the wayward all the way home. He helps us in our times of struggle and difficulty. And because he does this kind of work for us, we begin to see him as beautiful and as glorious and as excellent. We make our boast in him. You may be here this morning and you know your life is sideways. You've made a mess of things. You, you, you look at your, your, your life and its past and you see it's a wreck. You've hurt so many people. Listen, there's hope. His name is Jesus. He's the branch. His, his coming is what we remember during this season. And your hopes are resting not simply on a child who was born, whose birth we remember on Christmas Day, but the child who was born to die. To do this work the work of dealing with God's absolute justice and his absolute holiness on the cross for you. And all you need to do is to call out to him and to, to ask Jesus to take the wheel and to straighten things out and to make you clean and to bring you home. And he will. There's hope for you today. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning knowing that you came for this. 
You, you, you came, you were born to save, to rescue. Lord, we do pray that this morning you, you would show yourself to be beautiful and glorious to us as this branch, as this rose, as this apple tree, as this one who's so fruitful, so excellent, so glorious. Glorious not just because of who you are, but because of what you've done for sinners like us. Lord, I pray for those who, who know their life is sideways. Lord, please do not let them go from this place without calling out to you. Do not allow them to pass by this opportunity to call out and to say, Lord, please rescue me. Rescue me. Straighten me out. Make me clean. Make me new. Lord, please. Lord, we know that you delight to do this kind of work in the hearts of your people because you're a God of grace and a God of glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.